Hello everyone and welcome to the Frogcast. We got a lot that we're going to get into on this episode. The Frogs have gotten not one but five recruits in less than a week. We're going to dig in on each of those. Before we dig into the episode, we're going to thank our sponsor Team Life who goes out of their way to invest in the lives of junior high and high school students in DFW and beyond. Go to teamlife.ngo and find ways that you can give financially as well as with your time to support the lives of junior high and high school students in our community. They uh, Team Life make, gives them tools to help make wise decisions with with uh, the choices that they have in front of them so that they can secure the future that they were created for. Go to teamlife.ngo so that you can learn more how to invest in the lives of students in our community. We're just going to go through these one by one, Jeremy. So real quick here, let's start with the first recruit that kicked off this wave, Barlow from Virginia. How in the world did we land him and how in the world did he end up in Texas? First off, I got a question for you, Jeff. Go. Have you ever noticed or have you ever gone through as a fan seen this much recruitment act, recruiting action in this amount of time the last 24 hours how crazy it's been I have to tell you I'm kind of a junkie on this stuff I I was thinking how long I've been online how long I've been following recruiting with TCU I've never seen anything like this it, what's crazy is I was putting the outline together tonight and I'd forgotten about the first guy we were going to talk about, Barlow from Virginia. Three, you know, 356-pound offensive lineman would have been the story, the talking point on the show just three years ago when we started covering recruiting with you. I know I've never seen anything like this. I've, I've never seen this high-quality amount of kids come together in this short a period of time, and I've never seen uh, this. I've, I've never seen them stack up in a 24-hour period. This is the only thing that can come to it, and and it didn't come to fruition in ways that we all know. I remember when. Rager committed. I remember when Omar Manning committed, and I remember when we all thought that uh, Charleston Rambo was going to flip, but then he didn't. That's the only thing that that was a whiff, and the only guy we got out of that in the end was Rager. So no, nothing. <laughs> yeah, it it's been a crazy, crazy twenty four hours. And, and to be honest with you, as long as I've covered these guys, I, I can't recall a, a day, a single day, um, where you've gotten this kind of. Uh, just the quality of players that TCU has been able to go out there and land uh, going back 24 hours last night to when, when, or Sunday night when Caleb Medford committed, then you have uh, Eli Williams, which we all had a good idea was going to commit Dominic Richardson. That was, that was a kid that I, I knew had committed to the staff that was still trying to figure out when he was going to decide. And then on you just the, the last one was the icing on the cake, the cherry on the top, James Sylvester, He's the he's the prospect where I posted on the board that told me he was going to commit on Sunday night. He delayed it obviously, but big Monday night commitment. And really, the the first guy you mentioned, Artreek Barlow, was was kind of the guy that got this this whole thing rolling. I mean, just he committed on Thursday, and I I posted on the board that several times that this was going to be an exciting late April and all of May for TCU fans on the recruiting trail that this, this had a chance to, to be a great month as far as the guys that were bringing in for official visits, where they stood with them and, and how close those kids were already uh, to, to making their decision. And just the weekend, just having, having great player hosts, just showing these kids around. They, and all these kids, it's, it's funny because all these kids were here together and they all knew where they wanted to be. And I haven't talked to Jaron Thompson or James Ash yet, but I've heard some really great things about those two. But the the Barlow kid is a, is a really 
good pickup in my opinion. I, I think that uh, some people are going to look at it and, and, and say, well, why wasn't Virginia or Virginia Tech really heavily on them? How did TCU get them? I would tell people not to worry about what other fan bases say. Other fan bases are going to say whatever they need to say to make their team look good for not recruiting a certain kid. This kid is a big kid. He When he visited in, in April with uh, Nakai Meredith, when they came down from Virginia, uh, the, the staff was really impressed um, with the way he looked. He was over 6'4". Uh, and depending on who you ask, he, he weighs around 310, and I've seen some places have him at 350, but he is a punishing run blocker, very, very strong up top. If, if tackle doesn't work out, obviously he can move inside. But the one thing I want to tell TCU fans is this class is expected to be really small. They're being very selective with every position. On offense, they do need offensive linemen. They need about three or four linemen, and they're They've been very extremely, extremely uh, selective with uh, the guys that they're they're uh, offering and and really heavily recruiting, and for them to take on Barlow, that tells me right now that they really like what they got and just it, just don't worry about what other uh, fan bases are saying right now. TCU got a great one with Barlow. Yeah, I know that fan bases um, will go out of their way to compensate, and you know I, this is why I respect what you do. A lot of moderators will go out of their way to compensate when a kid when they miss out on a kid. Well, they kind of backed off at the end, or you know he had an offer, but it wasn't committable. But if, if if TCU wants him, that's good enough for me. So I'm really comfortable with landing him, and and I love seeing the frogs be able to reach outside of their footprint in order to to get talent that is obviously able to play power five football, and then get inside of this program and be able to develop the way that TCU has done so much. That's a that's a good sign for me. All right, let's put- yeah that that's uh you know when when you look at Keontae Jenkins when he committed. People were saying Virginia Tech wasn't really recruiting him because he was five eight, and they 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 put that out there without even really thinking. He he was he's not five eight. He's nearly five ten. He had uh, verified measurement at the opening in New Jersey where he measured five nine and a half. You put they and they do those measurements without shoes on. You put some cleats on, you're five ten, and apparently uh, not to pub any other side out there competing side but competing side but he went to a camp uh that's put on by another recruiting service and really excelled he he got a lot of a lot of good praise for the way he performed over there so uh just just take it with 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 a grain of salt what other fan bases are saying they're sometimes they have some sour grapes if they're if their team doesn't get these certain players but for uh, TCU to go up to Virginia to get not only Keontae Jenkins but Barlow, that's a it's a great uh, area to recruit. They're going to keep recruiting Virginia players. Sometimes uh, Gary says the national perception is greater uh, for TCU than than what it is within the state line of Texas, and I I can see where he's coming from when he makes that statement because sometimes those out of state prospects look at TCU in a different light and. Uh, Obviously, with uh, Barlow and Jenkins, you get two of the top 15 players in Virginia already. They're in really good shape with Nakai Meredith, and they're already in great shape with Tony Grimes, one of the top cornerbacks in the country for the 2021 class. He's already visited unofficially twice to TCU, and and speaking with his dad a few times, he really, really has a, a good interest in TCU. Well, that's what we like to hear. I love seeing the frogs be able to reach beyond their front print. Yeah, I saw that article as well from a, a 
arrival site that was able to uh, kind of have some input here on 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 the guys that were landed from Virginia. Yeah, he's he's almost five ten, and I know he put on a show up there in Jersey. So glad to see that. All right, let's get back to the Lone Star State, the guy that really kicked off this weekend. Caleb Medford, kid out of East Texas, out there in Henderson. They play they play big boy football out there in Henderson. They might not have the numbers that you got at, at the Plano's and the Allens, but pound for pound, those are some of the toughest kids in the country. Caleb Medford, he had an offer from Arkansas. I know Baylor was coming after him hard, speaking of uh, what moderator said to compensate. He commits... 6'3", I love his film. I love how he's able to high point the ball. I love how he's able to catch the ball away from his body. He is the first guy that, that kind of started this domino over the last 24 hours. Tell us a little bit about Medford's recruitment and how he ended up as a frog. Glad to see the frogs active in East Texas again. Tell us about Medford. Oh, yeah. This, this, is, this one might be my favorite one of all the commits just because if you watch his film, the kid just makes crazy plays. And he's good at a lot of things, and, and that's that's one of those things. Sometimes coaches look at that and they they think he's good at so many different things. Is he good at different things because he wants to play different things because he's not comfortable playing one thing, or is he just really really good at everything? And I think Caleb's one of those kids that's just good at everything. I think he could play receiver. I think he could play quarterback. He always obviously does a lot of that for Henderson, and and like you said, Jeff, they're playing big boy football down there, East Texas, and. Our friend Gabe Brooks can tell you all about it. You know, Carthage and Henderson rivalry is just one of the best uh, rivalries in all of Texas high school football. But uh, Caleb is one of those kids that I think once people get a up close look at him, get some eyes on him in person, that could really potentially see his ranking go up quite a bit. And and I know Gabe loves him pretty much just based off his film and and all the guys that have kind of watch that and evaluated that have have the same thought process we we, we want to get some eyes on him and, and, and see what what he looks like in person uh, I was told he's a legit 6'3 190 is what he measured in at TCU this past weekend and uh, it, it's funny because he's he's been on their radar for a while and once they once they got Malcolm Kelly on staff uh, Malcolm already had that relationship with them at Arkansas State you already had a relationship with Jared Anderson, his East Texas roots, uh, recruiting those kids down there, good relationship with the Henderson coaches. And so you had that. The, the only school that I think was really uh, a, a school that ha- that had already offered that could have been some competition was Baylor. Um, I know he was uh, kind of looking at Oklahoma. Oklahoma was one of those schools that he was interested in hearing from. But TCU is a school that, he he really had a high interest in for a while and basically it's it's the relationship he has with the coaches that just set everything apart it it's funny because he was telling me that he had that relationship with malcolm kelly um at arkansas state but the two like it, i don't know what the age was or how how old caleb was but they apparently went to church together back in the day when when malcolm was still in longview and and uh, before he got off at Oklahoma and, and into his pro career with the with the Redskins, so that he's known the family. The two families have known each other for a long time, and that's why I posted on the board. Malcolm Kelly was a was a huge huge uh, difference maker in his recruitment, and I, I could tell you right now, I, I would be I would be completely shocked. I know what Tim said at the Baylor site that they feel like they would still have a chance because Caleb came out and said. Baylor was his dream offer. Listen, there is a ton of kids that will come out and say a ton of schools are their dream offer. 
but it, it comes down to the point where Caleb came to visit. He, he visited uh, not long ago for a junior day and was really blown away. And I think it was at that point, again, when I said earlier that they bring in these recruits all at the same time that have the same thought process on TCU. They know they're very close and all they need, that the water's getting very close to the edge. It's very close to the top. What else do we need to do? They bring them all in together. They're all talking about TCU together, and that water just overflows through the cup. They've, they've done what they need to do, and they get these kids to commit. And, and Caleb's one of those kids I think could be one of the biggest sleepers in the state and has the potential to m- make probably one of the biggest rises if once we get out there and see him. I, and I know he's going to be good when I see him in person. It's, it's just a matter of time when we get a chance to do that. You know, you mentioned that about uh, Kelly being able to uh, know him from church and, and, and all that kind of stuff. All I can think of is because it's on my mind is vacation Bible school. So I can imagine Coach Kelly's out there or Coach Malcolm Kelly's out there uh, leading dodgeball. He's in high school, you know, uh, uh Maybe uh, Ben Medford's a young kid, and he's looking up to that kid that's the the youth leader for VBS. And maybe he's like, "Man, I want to be like that kid someday. I want to go to college. I want to play in the Big Twelve. I want to go to the NFL. And then I'll come back and I'll lead dodgeball at Vacation Bible School." So you never know who's watching you, man. You can end up laying in a recruit if you go out there and volunteer for VBS, baby. <laughs> You're right, man. I mean, that's it's a great story. All right, well, let's go ahead and, and go in this in, in terms of the chronological order, the, the way that things unfolded. Go across the river, north of the Red River, Eli Williams, a kid out of Oklahoma, 6'3 and a half, 218. I know folks have looked at him as maybe a rush end, maybe a tight end at the, at the Power 5 level. The Frogs are going to give him a shot at quarterback. He is committed as a quarterback. We'll talk about what that means for recording back, uh, recruiting quarterbacks at, at other, uh, other guys coming in to, to be quarterbacks as well in the 2020 class. But just tell us a little bit about Williams, how he ended up there, and how legit of a chance does he have to actually make it as a quarterback at TCU? Well, uh, you know, with the way they've recruited lately at quarterback, they're, they're going to the dual threat guys. They want someone that can run. And, and be athletic enough to make plays with their feet. And Eli is definitely one of those kids that can do that. Uh, in 11 games last year, I think he totaled over uh, 2,000 yards of total offense. He had over 1,200 yards passing, over 900 on the ground. And honestly, when I saw him in person at the Under Armour camp earlier this year, uh, he struggled a little bit throwing the ball against air. But it was, it was crazy because once he started playing in pass skelly, he really started to shine. He makes great decisions. He put the ball where it needed to be. And it was almost better that it was, it was just so obvious to see that he was better playing in a team setting than, than he was in an individual setting, having to throw against air. Once the the defensive backs were out there covering and he had to choose between three or four receivers, he really made some good decisions. He's very raw at quarterback, which is also a good thing because he hasn't, developed a lot of bad tendencies like some of these quarterbacks do out of high school and you're spending a lot of time trying to fix that he he's got great coaches up where he's at but but the thing is is he's he's still got a very high ceiling as a quarterback he's still got a lot of room to grow and Sonny Cumbie honestly has a lot of room to to improve him he's got a lot of tools to work with he's got a strong arm uh, and and there's some plays where I've seen him make some really, really nice throws that I was like, man, that was a really good throw. I can't believe some of these schools like North Texas. I, I couldn't see why they wouldn't offer him at quarterback because he's an athletic 
guy. Mason Fine, the kid they have now, is a dual threat guy. And Eli definitely has the potential to, to let go of a football and, and launch it and, and be pretty accurate. I mean, he's, he's got a, a pretty high ceiling. He's athletic enough to where if quarterback doesn't work out, then I think he could transition into a tight end spot. But from every indication I've received, TCU is going to give him every possibility to, to make it as a quarterback. And if he's one of those kids that feels like he can't make it quarterback, then I can see him making the switch to tight end. But he's a he's a really good kid. I know he's going to put every effort into to improving his game as a quarterback, being in the film room, being in the weight room, trying to do everything he can to improve himself. But uh, as far as a, a person, just TCU just got a, a really good kid, and I think he's I think he's going to do great things for TCU. I don't know. If he's going to have the ability, I, I will say his arm's not as strong as a Justin Rogers or a Max Duggan, but he does have some athleticism to him, and it'll be interesting to see where he where he fits in with everything. I commented this on I said this on the on the message board. Do you think this is a byproduct of the way that Derek King has or Derek King has clearly excelled at Houston? The Frogs. Offered him as a quarterback, but kind of – or no, offered him as a wideout, told him maybe he could play quarterback, but they wanted him in the slot, but they gave him a shot. Do you think they kind of learned their lesson, or is there anything that they kind of evaluated or reevaluated from how they handled the King recruitment and watching how he's clearly thrived at quarterback? Logical conclusion being it would have been nice to have him in there for, for this season at quarterback, considering what he did at Houston before he got hurt. Did that play into the, the recruitment of Williams at all? Uh. I don't think so. I don't think they look as much into the past as many people think. I, I obviously King has had a really good career at Houston, and and everyone probably thinks you know what what could he do at TCU. But I think if Eli was five foot nine, one hundred and seventy five pounds, or five foot ten, whatever Derek is, I don't think they would have offered him as a quarterback either. But he's he's a he's a big kid, and and he's athletic, and he can move around. Uh, for me personally, Jeff, I know you're a fan of King. I am too. Uh, I, and I, I think we said this last podcast is when it is, if he could do those kind of things at Manville and play against the type of competition they play against and put up big numbers, then he could do it at, at an FBS level. Uh, but as far as, uh, you know, them, not, them, not just wanting to miss out on another uh, kid that can, that can move. I, I really don't think king had anything to do with it i think it's just the fact that that's really what they're recruiting now because i'll tell you right now the best pro style kid is literally 25 minutes down the road from them in weatherford ken seals the best throwing quarterback in the state and they haven't even came close to offering him they've showed him very little interest and that just goes to show what kind of quarterbacks they're going after these these days that makes sense. That's just kind of an armchair quarterback, and I know we both like King, and he's he's clearly a player, and good for him, man. Good good for Houston, good for him. Hope he gets a shot at the NFL, but I was just curious how that they, they're offering a kid that, that wants to play quarterback that clearly could play multiple positions in college, so just wanted to get a little backstory on how that unfolded. All right, let's stay north of the Red River. Uh, Dominic Richardson, Bishop uh, uh, McGinnis out of Oklahoma City, 
Here's a running back, 6'1", 210. The Frogs clearly have had an eye on him for a while. He ends up pulling the trigger today. This was another one of those guys I think you said had, had already committed before he tweeted it out, was here on the on the big visit this weekend with everybody else. Tell us what the Frogs are getting in Richardson. And then a second question, is it just me or does it feel like Oklahoma's, the state of Oklahoma is putting out a little more talent, Power 5 talent, than it did say, 10 years ago. I knew that they'd always have a couple of really good kids from Tulsa Union, some of the big powerhouses, maybe Norman North. But now it seems like they're putting out more Power 5 kids than, than they did than they did 10 years ago. And it's not like, you know, Oklahoma City is exploding like Collin County or Denton County. Tell us about Richardson, and then we'll, we'll talk about this recruiting in the state of Oklahoma after that. That's another very good pickup for the Frogs. And he commit yesterday while on his visit on Sunday. Uh, and that was one of the kids I was referring to that I knew he committed. I just didn't know when he was going to come out and make his decision. He reached out to me today just randomly, but he never told me he was making his decision today. And then all of a sudden, as I'm leaving my house and on the road going to pick up kids from school, I see that he's committed to TCU. So I was just scrambling, trying to get that out there. But it's, it's a it's a really, really good pickup for, for the Frogs. He, they needed a running back. They're going to need a running back after this class. Yeah, they got DeMarco Foster and Darwin Barlow last year, but they're losing Darius Anderson and Shawo this year. So, obviously, uh, Amari is the only uh, scholarship running back uh, that's that's been on campus for more than a year by this time next year. So, they, they really needed to add a running back this class, and they really could use one more, I think. A guy like Taj Brooks is still going to be on their radar, but uh, Dominic is really a uh, a big back that they wanted. They wanted a bigger back, and they wanted uh, kind of a quicker back. But man, he he's got some skills to him. I mean, he he plays against pretty tough competition at Bishop McGinnis. Um, they're not afraid to play any school up there, and he rushed for over twenty two hundred yards last year. He's he's not going to burn you with 4-4 speed, but he will run your butt over, and that's that's what they need. And and really, it's it's another one of those kids that was extremely close to committing and just really needed that last visit. This last weekend visit really set things over the top for him. I know Arkansas felt like they had a really good chance, but uh, Richardson's one of those kids that I was told was pretty much in the bag a month ago. And that's, I think, when I put in my crystal ball that he was going to be headed to TCU. But uh, another big pickup, uh, I, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when it was coming. I, I'll fully admit that. But I but I do know that he uh, he's very excited to be a frog, and the frogs are very excited to have him. Do you think the state of Oklahoma is putting out more talent? I know that's a total inside bait football, total inside football, but that's something that kind of caught my eye. You followed this oh, yeah. clearly longer yeah, I think, than I have. What do you I think, think about the state of Oklahoma? I think as far as uh, uh, FBS talent goes, yeah, I mean there's there's a ton of talent coming out of Oklahoma these these days, and uh, w- when you look at kids in the state that are that are the top kids, they're they're getting offers from some very good schools. If you look at uh, Richardson, I mean, he was the number five kid in the state. And I think, uh, I can't remember where Eli's ranked. I think maybe number nine, but I mean, those number eight, I mean, but they, the way number eight, uh, number eight training has developed, you know, a lot of these kids are getting, uh, excuse me, personal trainers. They're really bettering themselves and seven on seven, whether some people like it or not, it really is putting more eyeballs on 
on some of these kids and, and giving them a chance to excel in a setting to where like some of these guys that are receivers, they, they may not have gotten looks like this five, ten years ago without seven on seven. And now when people go to these seven on seven tournaments, they, they get a first up close look at them and they start following them on, on social media and they, they kill them. And then all of a sudden these kids are starting to get more notoriety and, and colleges, it, no matter what guys, if for you guys that may have your head in sand, social media does help. I mean, there's, there's kids that I saw a kid I saw at the seven on seven tournament a few weeks ago that literally had Southern miss and I tweeted about them. And then a lot of other people tweeted about him. Now this kid has, I think Georgia just offered him and this kid had really nothing. He's 2021 kid. So he had plenty of time. I'm just telling you how, how social media works as far as college is taking notice. But I mean, they've got some of the top players in the country The the, the lineman out of broken arrow, uh, the, the rain kid, uh, the slusher kid is a, is a kid I know TCU really liked. I saw him in person. Jeff, you might've been at that camp. It might've been the camp that you came down to, but I really, really like that kid. He's going all the way to Oregon, but they, they have a ton of kids. There's, there's other kids that I think TCU should look at. The one kid that I really like, if, if you want to watch some exciting film, I've never seen the kid in person, so I couldn't tell you how big he is, but the Presley kid out of Bixby, Oklahoma, I noticed him because I was watching film on Eli Williams, Sepulpa, and I came across Bixby and watched this kid running all over the place. This kid's starting to get a ton of interest. But if you look at last year, uh, TCU was in on uh, a few of those kids, and they're on them again this year. Blake Now is a kid that they're very high on. Uh, it's, it's fun to see those kids from those smaller towns. Plainview, Oklahoma is not very big, a suburb of Ardmore, but they play at a lower classification. But TCU is, is very high on him, thinks he could do some great things. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, Ardmore is not huge either, but it's it's plain view for – Hold on, hold on. Did you just say a suburb of Ardmore, Oklahoma? They have an IHOP too, if that matters. They they got two Brahms, baby. Yeah, they got two Brahms. I guess you're oh, you I you have suburbs if you have two Brahms. So. Are you calling me a nobody, sir? Uh, nobody ends up at IHOP on purpose. <laughs> Case closed. Case closed. <laughs> you're you're testing. I'm telling you, nobody under 40 ends up at IHOP because they woke up and said, man, I hope I end up at IHOP today. You end up at IHOP because the party went bad. And Anyway, no. Moving right along. Oklahoma, back back to the talent that they're producing. It's just been just the last few classes, it's just getting better and better. And if if you look at even last year, I mean, that, that Hill kid, Daxton Hill, I mean, he, he just, just to know that he was from Oklahoma, you're like, holy cow, this, this kid is incredible. I mean, he was by far one of the best athletes I've ever seen doing this and legit, legit kid with four, three speed. And I mean, and he's, he's a over 200 pound safety almost. I mean, he's just shredded up and you're like, man, this kid's from Oklahoma. They, they really don't produce kids like this, but uh, it, it's funny because TCU is going to continue to, to keep going up there, recruiting those kids. They've got some good ones for this class. They got some good ones for the 2021 class that I've already seen. And if you look at last year, the, the kid they got out of, 
out of uh, Broken Arrow, the the Zach Marchiselli kid, the linebacker. I mean, I think he's one of the best kept secrets in in this entire class for the 2019 class of Frog Sign. So they're going to keep going up there and and uh, recruiting those guys. I really like that kid. He's uh, he's also endorsed by the five families. I think that's why I like him. All right, last uh, last guy that committed here in this last 24 hours, and then we'll bring this show to an end. My favorite kid in this class so far, James Sylvester. He kind of actually does round out the Newton three, being able to land the two from the last class and this one for 2020. James Sylvester, 6'4", 225, four-star defensive end, highest-rated recruit in this class at the moment, second of uh, second uh, four-star that the Frogs have landed. Sylvester's been committed silently for a while. If, uh, tell us a little bit about how he went. I remember he had like a top 15 a couple months ago that didn't even have TCU on it. How did we go from uh, where we were to where we are, and uh, what do you project him at at the next level? Well, TCU's always been in it, man. I, you know, even if he released the top 15, some of these kids like to they like to play the recruiting game, and and they'll purposely not include some schools. The next thing you know, they're committing to them just to keep people off base a little bit, but. When I talked to James after the pro day, that's when he actually committed. Um, so that was back on March 29th, I think it was. Uh, I can't remember the exact date, but that's when he committed. And, and that's when I knew James was going to be very solid to TCU because just when I spoke with him and, and talked to him about making his decision, even just talking to him about the visit, it it's just seems so genuine coming from him. And when, when he talked about his commitment, I mean, I could just sense the emotion from this kid talking about TCU and talking about his relationship with coach Modkins and coach Fitch and coach Sharp and, and those guys and coach Patterson and just really everyone. He just said he has a great relationship with all the coaches up there. And um, it, it's funny because you talk about him having a chance to play with Josh and Darwin and that's really something that doesn't get brought up by him unless you, you you really have to ask him about it because he's excited to play with those two guys. He's looking forward to it. But he chose TCU for all the reasons that people probably wouldn't think he chose TCU for. Everyone's going to assume, oh, he's just following his buddies from Newton because he can't go on his own path. It's nothing like that. He saw the fact that all those NFL scouts were up at TCU for that pro day and most of them were up there to watch LJ Collier and – Ben Banigou. Um, he knows he has a chance to come in there and play extremely early. If he goes in and, and works hard, he needs to add a little bit bit of weight. But they've told him, listen, you're the kind of guy that's like, that's like a Ben Banigou. You can come in here and, and play and get to the quarterback, and that's what we want you to do. And that opens his eyes. He he loves the family atmosphere. These these kids that come from the smaller towns like Newton, they they don't want to go to these gigantic places and get lost. They, they want to go to a place that feels as much like home as it can get. And there's not really a better place where you're coming from Newton and going to play at a major collegiate level, FBS, Big 12 program than TCU because TCU is not a very big campus. There's not very big classes. And everyone knows everyone. And that's the feeling and vibe that he got from each visit that he had is that man, this is just really a family and they really care about you outside of football. They really care that you're going to class. They really care that you get your degree. They really care that your family's doing okay. And just all those things combined is what really led him to to make his decision because 
it was something that he felt like he was not really needed at TCU that just people wanted him to be there. That's where he wanted to, that people just wanted him to be part of that family. And that's really what led to him making that decision. It was easy for him after visiting a few times and just, just knowing that he's not going to find any other place that's going to match what TCU can offer. And man, what a huge get. I mean, just you talk about uh, a great player, defensive end, helped Newton win back-to-back state championships. He's probably about 220 right now just because he's been playing basketball. But the fact that he plays basketball, I love because usually those kids are pretty good athletes. They can move their feet pretty good because they're always having to stay on their feet and, and move around really fast on the basketball court. And believe it or not, coaches – Coaches, when, when it's evaluation period, they try to go to as many basketball games as they can, especially for guys that are offensive linemen or defensive linemen because they want to see how they move. And James is one of those guys that moves extremely well. He's going to be very quick. I'm not going to sit here and anoint him as being a day one starter as a true freshman, but he is going to go in and be able to provide some depth for them at defensive end. I, I think he can obviously get to the quarterback. He's done it the last two years. He's had great stats. and. Man, I'm just excited for you to get him. It's a huge class. Two weeks ago, this class was ranked number 80. And I told you guys, and I'm going to remind you every chance I get because I like patting myself on the back sometimes. But I'm going to tell you, it it it's not through yet. There's there's still going to be some good news to come in May. But TCU goes from number 80 all the way up to number 21 in a span of two weeks. And that's – I can't ever remember a time where the rankings have jumped 59 spots in a matter of – of two weeks. No, that is quite a jump. And yes, you called it. Here is my visual pat on the back through the interwebs. Congratulations, Jeremy. You were correct. You were correct. And I just want to go ahead. I only like to call people out. I don't like to be called out. Um, Everybody that was screaming about how the sky was falling, what, five weeks ago, three weeks ago, and to see where the frogs are now. We lost a couple of kids, and I'm cool with that, considering who we ended up landing. So this is a good spot, and yes, you called it, but more importantly, you had all the inside info, and that's why people listen to this show. That's why people subscribe 24-7, and this is why we're all addicts, been hitting refresh for the last 24 hours, because this is the content that we live for. We are grown men that are following the social media accounts of 17-year-olds, because that's what our life has become. Um I'll just ask this delicately. There was one other kid on campus. Can we talk about it? Yeah, there's actually two. Actually two. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Jaron or three. Yeah, Jaron, James. Uh, as far as Jaron goes, Jaron is a very he's he's extremely hard to read. Jaron Jaron is he's a real he's a he's a good dude. I'll put it out there like that. I don't think he likes doing too many interviews. He's he's very short and sweet with his answers, but he's always had. Uh, good things to say about TCU. I do know that uh, obviously Arkansas and LSU are going to be major players in his recruitment. And some of the folks I've talked to today have said they feel like if if he goes down to LSU uh, and, and really likes everything, and I think LSU wants him to go through a camp, um, and if everything goes well, he runs well, and, and they decide to take him, that, that might be the place where he ends up going. But uh, – it, it's going to be interesting because he obviously has some interest in TCU or he wouldn't have came, came to the uh, the school for an official visit. So just something to keep an eye on for him. Uh, James Ash, I haven't had a, a chance to, to catch up with him. 
I do know that he had a good time on the visit, speaking with a few folks, but he's, his recruitment's going to start picking up, in my opinion. Miami just offered. I think he's going to get some more interest down the line. I, I don't think he's going to be a kid that's going to be making a decision anytime soon, but it's obviously good that TC made a good impression, but he does play that one position where I've told all you guys to remain cautious at defensive tackle. They're, they're going to be very selective in choosing that guy. Uh, at that spot, they they have a few in mind. Quentin McCoy is another kid. Jacoby and Guillory is a guy that even though he released the top four, Jeff, what would you say about James Sylvester earlier? Top 15 didn't have TCU. Jacoby, yeah, no Jacoby has a top four, but he doesn't have TCU in that list. But I know TCU still recruiting him on a daily basis, and he talks to them. And so it's, it's one of those things where if they can get a guy like him, of course they're going to take him. Kaneen Caldwell still on their list, but uh, those those two guys, Jaron and James, I still have to gather some more information. And now you can ask me about the guy you want to ask about. Matthew Baldwin, kid out of Austin, four-star quarterback, spent his first year at Ohio State. You kept saying we have a secret we have a secret visitor. You could post that there's a secret visitor that you can't talk about, and there would be 47th page thread of who do we think it is. Nobody guessed Matthew Baldwin. Tell us how his tell us how this came about. Tell us of the likelihood of the frogs landing him. And uh, I'll let you answer any questions that might have for quarter pack implications. Yeah, I, I found this out Friday morning that he was that he was coming in and I and I cannot believe that it went all the way to Sunday night before I posted about it that no one no one had, had asked about it on the board. I had I had uh, a couple people ask me about it through private messages just because they're they're Lake Travis people. They know the family and and uh, so they knew they knew about it. But I appreciate them keeping it quiet and keeping it off the board. Um, but yeah, that this this is a pretty interesting uh, development here because once Baldwin put his name in the transfer por- portal. TC reached out to him. TC was a school that actually recruited him late his senior year. And I posted this on the board and I don't, I don't know if it came across good enough, but the reason why they recruited him is because Justin's coming off that major injury. You don't know how he's going to come back from it, whether he's going to be fully healthy or if he's ever really going to play football again, you don't, you don't know with that serious of an injury. And so they started to kind of fill, you know, just fill around, see what uh, Matthew Baldwin's thought process was. Does he have an interest in TCU? And uh, by that time, there was a ton of schools on him. He ends up going to Ohio State. So you you kind of had that relationship. I, I know I know Comby went by Lake Travis um, during the evaluation period late in Baldwin's recruitment, but I, I'm not sure if they ever fully offered. Um, I think it was just an interest just in case, but they had so much faith in Justin. So I don't think I, I would say, I don't think they offered him uh, late in the process. I think they pretty much had faith in Justin that he would, that he would get to where he needed to be. But it was, it was interesting to say the least, cause it, it never came out. I knew it was there, but it, I never, I never reported that TCU was really heavily on him. But once his name came through the portal, it changed everything. I mean, they they look at it as the fact that Alex Delton's only going to be here one year. You have Mike Collins, who the way Gary talked during the spring, you don't know if he's going to be back. And 
what happens to Mike if he's not the starter? Is he going to play behind uh, a redshirt freshman in Justin Rogers or a true freshman in Max Duggan? He's going to graduate in December. Could he use a grad transfer year and go play his last year of football somewhere else? So you you always got to just be ready for those type of things because quarterback is the one position where it's like if you don't get the starting position right away, you're going to put your name in the transfer portal. So it's you you want to have as many guys as you can, and and the interest from uh, Baldwin seems to be genuine. Uh, I've heard some things that he may have already told TCU he wants to go there. He he hasn't released anything. I've reached out to him. Um, I told you, Jeff, he's leaving me on red. I haven't heard back from him. He's ghosting me or whatever you want. What, He's ghosting you. But, yeah, I do know he was there. I had several recruits tell me he was there. I mean, that's – and that's that's really the, the, the thing about it is that, you know, there there is a mutual interest from, from TCU and from him. Um, I don't know if he's going to go out to see other schools. It's – 10 20 at night on a Monday, he could be tweeting at 11 o'clock that he's going to TCU. I don't, I don't know. Um, I really haven't talked to him, so I don't want to get too much into saying he's going to be a frog without actually talking to him. I do know that um, a lot of the recruits felt like the vibe that he was giving off that he was going to be a frog, but we're talking about recruits here and sometimes those things sometimes change. So I, I definitely don't want to go out there and, uh, say that he's going to be a frog just yet, but obviously nice development. And the good thing is I, I do know this is that Sonny Cumbie has talked to the other quarterbacks about the possibility of bringing, bringing Baldwin in. And it appears for now that the quarterbacks are on board for it. And that's what college football is. Quarterback is a competition. Unfortunately, you only get one football for, four or five guys that are competing for that one position. And um, I hate to say it. Uh, I really like every single quarterback on that roster, but I think if uh, Baldwin comes in and people don't think they're going to have a chance to compete at TCU, you probably will see a guy leave. That's just, it's not a knock on any of those kids, not a knock on TCU. It's just the nature of the beast where we're at in college football, especially with quarterbacks. So it, it, Shouldn't shock anyone if, if that was to happen. It should not shock anyone. That is the nature of the beast. Every time we talk about a new quarterback coming in and there's these almost automated anxious responses, oh, my gosh, I don't know what it will mean to, to transfers. Gosh, I remember when people said, "Are we? Do, I want Justin Rogers, but what, what does that mean about Sean? I'm like, well, it just plays out. It just takes care of itself. These things are uh, they're not linear. And no kid that steps on campus is going to be a four-year start. Andy Dalton did not start every game for four years. It's just how it works. I will so. say that Baldwin, from from the people I spoke with at Ohio State, it, it seems that he was leaving because of him competing in spring camp. From, from the indications I received is that he comp- competed extremely well with Justin Fields. And some people thought that he might have even been playing better than Justin Fields in spring camp, but in the spring game, Fields played better than he did. But Baldwin, uh, I was told, actually completed, I think, 20 of 36 passes. He wasn't he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great either. But as far as spring camp 
overall goes is that Baldwin looked really good. It sounded, it sounded so familiar to what they had last year with Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow that went to LSU. It's like, you know, everyone that followed the football program up there really closely all said Burrow looked better than Haskins. But that what you look at now is that I think people or, you know, some people have gone out and said that Ohio State pretty much told Fields, if you come here and you get your waiver, you're starting. I mean, the heck with the battle. You're our guy. You know, that's that's kind of the way it went down. And that's kind of demeaning to some of the other quarterbacks. If they're out there trying to work and they know in their right mind that they're competing for a spot and they feel like they've gone head to head with uh, a fellow quarterback and you feel like in, in your right mind that you're competing right there along with them and you don't get a chance. That's, that's very demeaning to a quarterback. And I can see where some of those kids decide to, to look elsewhere and, and, and really get a fair shot. And not only Baldwin, but really all those quarterbacks at Ohio state, it's kind of like why Tate Martell left. Tate Martell saw what was going to happen. He, if he would have stayed there, he, he would have been part of that equation that has to sit the bench because they were going to give that spot to Justin Fields come high hell or water. So it, it just, just didn't make any sense for Baldwin to stay. That makes sense. And all the latest that will be taking place with Baldwin will be on hornfrogblitz.com. Please go sign up there today so that you can stay in the loop. Well, fellas, we're going to bring this show to a merciful end. Coming up past 45 minutes, you do not know the living hell that it took to get this show recorded. So just show some gratitude to uh, us with our technical difficulties. I have no clue what is wrong with my computer. I might sound like I'm in a bathroom right now. I'm not. I am some shows, but not right now. So we appreciate everybody that's kind of muscled through this. Um, Thanks to Daniel for being able to kind of cut and paste all of this stuff. So for Jeremy Clark and for Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks for listening to the Frogcast.